Welcome to the very first It's All Relative. We are so excited to cover everything football for you guys and share our love for the game with you. I'm Megan, and I'll be your moderator each week. I also run Fanspeak.com with my brother, Steve. The title of this show is because my co-hosts and I are indeed relatives. We also all work for Fanspeak.com, so we're excited to finally expand into the podcast world for Fanspeak. So let me jump right in and introduce the guys. First, my brother Steve is the content mastermind behind Fanspeak and all of its cool interactive simulators. You've probably used On The Clock, and that was all his idea. Um, so Steve, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well tonight. Okay, great. Can tell me um, and tell everybody just a little bit about your background and love for football. Uh, well, since I was a kid, uh, with the last time the Redskins, my favorite team, were any good, um, I developed a intense love for the game of football, and not just with uh, their Super Bowl runs in the late 80s and early 90s, but then following the draft, which became a passion of mine, and all the offseason, uh, that has morphed into a, a, a career through Fanspeak and that through other sites I've been covering the draft, going to Senior Bowls, uh, East-West Shrine Games, and just uh, all-around draft knowledge uh, and football knowledge uh, for 10-plus years now. Okay. Yeah, and Steve, I've, I've called since we were kids, Steve, a, a sports encyclopedia, so I'm excited for him to share it with you guys. So Brad is our cousin, and he is also Fanspeak's data manager. Um, his background is statistics, so we took the opportunity and hired Brad to expand the data side of Fanspeak, which will include adding to the adding on-the-clock user data, and we think that'll be really interesting for our users, especially as we expand it. So Brad, why don't you tell us a little bit about your football background? Yeah, so um, I grew up going to uh, UNC football games, and I wasn't too much into the NFL uh, until, you know, the Panthers went to the Super Bowl and lost. And then I really got into the NFL when uh, I started playing a lot of fantasy football with my friends. And when it came to fantasy football, I started doing research and I came across all these stats and interesting correlations that I thought were fascinating. And as someone that has an inclination to go towards statistics, um, I you know, just kept looking at more and more football-related statistics. So um, that's, you know, grown, made my love grow for the fo for football. Yeah. Well, I'll be your hype girl. You guys are both, um, you know, very, very knowledgeable, and you both bring a very unique perspective. So I think this is going to be a fun show. And what also makes this show fun is we all know each other. We all love each other, but we really, really love football. Um, we're lucky enough to be a part of a sports family at all our family events they're fun because we're either talking sports or watching sports so not all families are that lucky um, so hopefully you'll feel like you're listening each week to three family members at the thanksgiving dinner table talking football so guys let's jump right into our first segment um, i thought it'd be fun to each give a tv or movie quote to summarize the week for you i was going to suggest gifts because on sundays when we're the three of us brad steve and i are watching fantasy we literally text each other all day with gifts and um, I'd say we're pretty good at it and, and entertaining ourselves, but unfortunately we're not on YouTube yet. So um, we also really like quoting movies and TV shows. So why don't we do that since we're just on podcast right now? Um, I'll start. Um, and uh, my movie quote is gonna summarize how I feel about being a Redskins fan at the start of the NFL season. Um, it comes from the classic Dumb and Dumber. And it's when Jim Carrey asked Lauren Holly, what are his chances with her? And she says, 
you know, he says, is it one in a hundred? And she says, more like one in a million. And he says, so you're saying there's a chance. So for me, the start of the Redskins season, you're saying there's a chance. There is a chance. They have not taken away my hopes and dreams yet. That'll that'll happen in a month or two. Um, so right now I can enjoy the beginning of the season and believe in miracles. Um, so that's my that's my movie quote for this week going into week one. Steve, what would your be yours? Uh, I think mine to be topical for what happened over the weekend. I'm going to go with uh, the good gif and meme. Uh, not great, Bob from Mad Men. Uh, <laughs> And Bob being, of course, um, uh, uh, the the nickname for Bill O'Brien, Bob, uh, who's the de facto GM as well as head coach for the Texans. And after the trades he made, which basically means the Texans are all in, if it doesn't work out well, it's not great, Bob. <laughs> all right, Brad, what's your, what's your quote to summarize the, the week? Uh, it's it's for uh, the fan the daily fantasy side of things, and it's from the like um, it. Jerry Maguire, and it's uh, show me the money. Oh my goodness, I love it. <laughs> That's uh, hopefully I can, hopefully I'm showing or I'm getting some money this weekend. So That's okay. Well, if you if you win, definitely send me that gift, and then I'll know that <laughs> that you did well. <laughs> All right, guys, I like it. So um, we're going to move on to start with a college football recap. So each week we're going to cover all things football, college football, NFL, fantasy football. But we're going to start with a college football recap. And we're going to summarize the past week of college football with Brad looking at the team and stats viewpoint and Steve looking at the player and NFL draft prospects viewpoint since he's our draft guy and Brad is our stats guy. So so Brad, what are three team stats that really stood out to you opening weekend? Um, so I kind of stayed at the top of the rankings this week. Um, you know, to try and get something that might indicate on how these teams will play in the future. Um, you know, some of these teams didn't play anyone good, but I still think on at some point it's still very impressive to do against anyone. Right. Um, so I'll start with uh, at the top with Clemson. They had uh, against Georgia Tech 411 yards on the ground, um, which is insane. Um, <laughs> And, you know, I, I bring that up because everyone is talking about Trevor Lawrence and how good he is and pretty much saying he's going to be the first overall pick in two years, which is crazy to project, which I mean, isn't probably too far off. But, you know, if Clemson can maintain this balance of a offense, I don't see very many people stopping them or even slowing them down. So I think that really just reaffirms a, their number one ranking and how good they can be. Um, the next one I I found was uh, <laughs> it's really impressive. Um, Oklahoma averaged 11 yards per play when they beat Houston on wow. um, was it Sunday? Sunday night, right? Um, yeah. uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, six TDs with over 500 total yards in his debut, which is a school record for a debut. Um, you know, that is just going to be the start of his or Oklahoma's third straight Heisman. Uh, with three different people and uh you know at some point they should just put lincoln riley on the trophy and <laughs> give to the quarterback that plays underneath him if he if jalen hurts can keep any you know 80 percent of that production up or even 75 percent that's gonna bag him the trophy and you know houston's not the worst team um so right you know 
and that was, my, that was a unique t- the point about if there there were to be three Oklahoma quarterbacks three years in a row. That would be yeah. that. pretty That's interesting. Obviously, never been done, but right. You know, I wouldn't mind it if it happened because uh, a little bit of history isn't too bad. Right. Uh, my last stat is how well LSU played. They they held the Georgia Southern offense um, to 98 yards on 50 plays, um, which is pretty darn good. And uh, <laughs> everyone expected LSU's defense to be really good this year, kind of their strong point. But uh, on offense, they also set a school record with or uh, Joe Burrow set a school record with five passing touchdowns. So going into their uh, their matchup with Texas ne- next week, it'll be very interesting to see if they can replicate that success on offense and defense to um, win a top, tw- t- top 10 matchup. Wow, those are really fascinating. Um, thank you, Brad, for pulling those. Steve, any follow-up to some of those stats that Steve or Brad brought up? Well, I, I think I think all three are, are absolutely fascinating stats. Uh, but to touch on the Clemson thing, you know, they basically won using their second secondary style of running. We know how dangerous Lawrence and Higgins and that whole passing attack is. This team, they can beat you anyway. If, if you have the corners and pass rush to, to slow down Clemson's passing attack, they're just going to run right through you. So... You know, I don't think there's a team that can that really is a real tr- chance to stop them. Maybe once they get into the the uh, college playoffs, but boy, I mean, this team, I'll be shocked if they don't go undefeated in the regular season. And then the other one that I would uh, I'd bring up is that last one. I mean, LSU. This is a team they've always been good on defense, always had strong running games. Their passing attacks have not been good. Um, historically, they've had some hyped quarterbacks, but never really a great quarterback. And, uh, you know, if they've had some great receivers, as we know, come out, but, you know, they, they played with poor quarterback play. So if Burrow keeps that up, that's another team that becomes much more well-balanced that could be a threat in the SEC. Right. All right, well, Steve, I'm going to jump to you now and talk a little bit NFL draft prospects or the player side of things. So, you know, you hear a lot about the position players. Which non-position player um, is someone that we should all be watching after this weekend? Well, I think this this year in the draft, there are highly hyped skill guys, uh, something that we didn't really have last year. Um, but but beyond that, there are this is could be one of the best offense tackle drafts we've seen in quite some time. Um, in fact, Iowa has two guys who are probably both in in the top two rounds. If if they come out in Tristan in whiffs and Aldrich Jackson, um, those are two guys who look like future starters and um, just just studs at tackle. But it goes well beyond them. Uh, you have a number of other quality offense tackles in this class. Uh, again, this is early. A lot can change, and we're gonna you know there's a number of these guys are underclassmen, uh, so we'll have to see who all comes out, but. We could end up seeing seven, eight first-round tackles um, easy next year if uh, if this holds up. And not only first-round tackles, but multiple guys in the top ten, which is something we haven't seen for you know consistently um, like we we used to. 
Right. Okay. And then which player is a name we should watch that could fly up draft boards? Last year, you know, we had Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray that, you know, at this time last year, you weren't thinking they were going to go first overall or, you know, so high in the first round. Which, which are names that could fly up the draft boards this year? Well, I think a couple uh, specifically at the quarterback position uh, that you're looking at are going to be Jordan Love from Utah uh, State. A lot of people already love him. A lot of people already want to peg him as a first rounder. I think he needs to prove it. Uh, last year, he, you know, destroyed a, a very weak schedule. Um, but he, he, the times where he faced some better competition were, were some of his weaker games. So it'll be interesting to see another year um, what he can do. But, he, you know, he's got the arm talent. Uh, he's got some athletic ability. He's a guy who could cement himself right behind Tua and Herbert and Fromm uh, if he continues to have a great year. Another one would be K.J. Costello um, from Stanford, another quarterback. I mean, you know, I think everyone's looked at Stanford quarterbacks for a while looking for that next Andrew Luck. Now Andrew Luck is no longer in the league, and maybe that is Costello. Um, you know, he's coming off a, a good year, and he's considered a smart guy. And, you know, he, he'll play a pretty decent schedule out there. So he'll be challenged well, and I think we'll get to see – just how high his upside is okay well thank you for the the recap on the players and for you guys who like watching how the players go up and down the draft boards be sure to use on the clock our mock draft simulator it's never too early to start mocking the 2020 draft and this is a great way to learn about prospects because steve updates the big board every tuesday so be sure to be the gm and use on the clock right on fanspeak.com all right, guys, let's jump to the NFL side, and um, we're going to do a little point-counterpoint. This doesn't have to be a debate, because I know, honestly, you guys usually have similar takes, but um, I'm going to ask you guys both the same question. So um, first, we're going to start with the big news that just came out today, which was um, Zico Elliott signed a big extension with the Cowboys. So what does that mean for week one and going forward? Um, Steve, I'll start with you. You know, How many touches do you think Zeke is going to get this week? Well, I, I'm assuming he'll be limited somewhat, but I think he'll he'll get near full load. I, I think the other thing that could work in the favor of limiting him is if they get up early um, against the Giants team that is not considered strong overall. So if they get up early, uh, we could see him sit uh, for much of the second half, uh, assuming the Giants don't make some sort of comeback. Um but I, I think I would say he's probably at 75 percent of his normal touch, you know, uh, range for this week. Uh, for the season, though, obviously this is huge news. Um, Cowboys are a completely different team with Elliott on the field. We saw that two years ago when he was dealing with that suspension. Uh, not only are they a different team, Dak Prescott's a much different quarterback. Um, you know, I think with this offensive line. Uh, with Amari Cooper, a true outside threat now, uh, and Jason Witten even coming back. I mean, we'll see what kind of impact that can be. But this is a team with better weapons. They they have a pretty decent defense, and they're going to make a run this year, uh, assuming, you know, no major injuries. Okay. Brad, what do you um, expect from, from Zeke um, to start the year? Do you think there will be any hangover effects from the holdout? Um. I think so. I mean, he he's clearly still in shape and, you know, hanging out in, in Mexico there. But, um, 
you can work out all you want. You still got to get some sort of game flow going. And as as good as he is, I, I still think he'll be all right. Um, I think something to compare it to is when Le'Veon Bell held out until the first week. He had about 75% of the uh, running back touches um, for his normal workload. So I, I would expect something similar, especially, as Steve said, if you know they're up you know, two, three scores in the fourth quarter, you know, why play them? Right. All right. And the other big news this weekend was um, the big trades, you know, um, the Dolphins and Texans, the Seahawks. So which of these teams were the biggest winners and losers? Um, and, and which player do you think the, will make the biggest impact on their new team? Brad, I'll start with you on this one. Um, I don't I think, uh, I think the Dolphins, if you're gonna, if you're gonna suck, you might as well really suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think they got so a lot of, they have, what is it, four first rounders and four second rounders in the next, next two drafts. Um, if they can't, if they can't do anything with that, then they, you know, they never will do anything. Right. So I think if you look at it with that viewpoint, they did all right, um, and uh, I, I also think um, you know the Seahawks getting Clowney really helps solidify their defense. Um, I always thought they 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 were a decent defense last year, and getting an, an elite pass rusher is you know game changing for defense. So. Agreed, agreed. Steve, would would you agree with Brad's points? And do you have anything to add? Yeah, no, I, I think. Uh, I think, I think it's interesting for all three teams. I think Brad is right about the Dolphins. Like this trade, um, you know, not only getting those picks, but getting a young tackle in, in Julian Davenport, a guy that Texans drafted. Um, you know, he, he's not ready to start this year, and that's why they needed uh, to make the move for Tunsil. But uh, that's a guy who, you know, come twenty. 2020 could be starting uh, at one of the tackle spots for the Dolphins. So, you know, they could end up getting, you know, a, a number of starters from this draft, not or from this trade, not just the from the eventual picks. Um, from the Texans standpoint, it shows how desperate they were, it shows how much they know they need to protect uh, Watson. But I think it also shows that this is a team that they're all in. And it's what I mentioned earlier, that if this doesn't go well, they're hurting. They they lose a ton of draft capital. They also had to trade away Clowney, and they didn't get much in return for Clowney. So you lose an elite player. You gain potentially one in Tunsil on the other side of the ball, uh, but you caught, paid a high, very high price for it. So you know, I think from that standpoint, this is it for the Texans, and they are they do benefit from the fact that Andrew Luck is retired because if not, they would have a real shot of making this move and not even winning the division. And it's not going to be a cakewalk. We've seen the Titans be competitive. I think the Jaguars with Foles can um, can be very competitive this year with that defense. But Texans are definitely in the driver's seat, and they need to make a serious run these next two years because they're not going to be able to add a lot of talent uh, through the draft in that time frame. And right. uh, finally, with the Seahawks, I, I again, uh, agree with Brad. I think they needed uh, another edge rusher um they're gonna win you know doug baldwin's gone like their offense is really crumbling around russell wilson they're gonna try and be a run heavy team but they need the defense to do that and 
you know, the Legion of Boom is gone, so now they need to attack the pass, uh, the passer more with their with just natural pressure, and that's what this move does. I mean, Clowney is one of the most uh, elite natural pass rushers in the game, and I think gives them a huge advantage up front in you know in a division where they're facing a team that throws the ball quite a bit in the Rams. So. Um, you know, they need to attack Jared Goff, and, and that's what this move's all about. And I think they got him at a very reasonable price. Okay. Let's move on and make some week one predictions. So which favorite, let's say, if you're looking at the Vegas odds, that, you know, a favorite 15 to 1 odds um, or better to win the Super Bowl, do you think will be a, I guess, air quotes, disappointment this season? So, Steve, I'll ask you first. Which, which favorite may let their fan base down this year? Uh, I'm sorry, could you re- repeat the question? Sure, yeah. Which favorite, based on the Vegas odds um, to win the Super Bowl, um, do you think will will be a, a disappointment to their fan base this year? Um, you know, I think there's uh, potentially a couple. Uh, but of the ones that you mentioned, like 15 to 1 or better, mm-hmm. I, would, I would say uh, the Saints are probably the one that are in in trouble in that sense just because last year I think their division was a little easier. The Falcons had a lot of injuries early on, kind of got them out of sorts. They were kind of out of it by mid-year. Uh, Carolina had to deal with Cam being banged up all year, um, and they also had a, a young team around them that those weapons now, Samuel, DJ Moore, uh, even Ian Thomas is the number two tight end, all have a now year experience to go along with McCaffrey. I think they, they're improved along the offensive line. If Cam's healthy, that team can contend. So um, I just think the Saints, from the fact that that division should be a lot more competitive this year, uh, they they have a chance of uh, probably having a strong year no matter what. But, you know, maybe they're a team that goes 9-7 misses the playoffs. Um, not, not saying it's guaranteed, but of these teams listed, at the top, I think they would be the one that I would be the most afraid of stumbling. Okay. Brad, that probably makes you happy to hear that as a Panthers fan. Do you agree, Steve, or which which favorite may let their fan base down in your mind? I agree uh, with the uh, the points about um, the, the division getting stronger. Um, he didn't even mention Tampa Bay getting a new head coach and who has a proven track record with multiple teams. Um, they, they might not be the best team, but they can – you know, steal the wind here and there and um, generally surprise people. So I like that pick. Um, I also picked the Chargers as the low-hanging fruit in that group, <laughs> mainly because, you know, Melvin Gordon might not play till week 10. Um, right. And, you know, Keenan Allen is a little banged up, and they do have some some good, you know, deep depth with, uh, you know, with if Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson are your back running backs and, you got Hunter, Hunter Henry coming back, and Mike Williams took a big leap last year. Um, they, they've had a strong defense. So I, I still do think that the Chargers will have a good season. It's just I don't know if they will be, you know, going 12-4 and four like they did last year. And Right. They they might not make it too far in the playoffs if they do make it. I just I just don't see them, you know. They're, they're a good team. They're just not a capable team of winning the, the Super Bowl, in my opinion, you know. Right, sure. Well, similarly, we tend to see 
almost every season uh, a team go from worst to first in at least one division. Which team do you guys think is most likely to do a, a worst to first this season? Um, Brad, what do you think? Um, I didn't like too many of the options, uh, <laughs> but I, I'll pick my favorite in the, uh, the Jags. Um, I think with, you know, Andrew Luck retiring certainly helps that almost knocks the Colts out by themselves. Um, along with, I don't believe Titans to be capable of winning the division, especially as long as Mariota is playing and he just doesn't look the same as he, as he did when he was playing well. Um, and I think the Jags, you know, don't have to hide their quarterback as much as they did last year or the years before. And I do think the defense is still talented. Um, they got a nice, uh, nice pickup in the draft, um, thanks to Daniel Jones going sixth. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think with the new offensive coordinator as well, they aren't going to be so run heavy. And um, even though Leonard Fournette's has healthy, which is when he's been his best, and uh, they don't have to rely on him as much with uh, a guy who got fired last year for passing too much as the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. So I think that'll help their offense kind of rejuvenate itself and really put up a fight towards, you know, the favorites and the Texans. So. Sure. Absolutely. I like that pick. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, I, I really think the Jags are a team that uh, could do a lot of damage. And, and I think Brad's points were all right. I mean, this is a team, even with the disaster that was the Jaguars offense last year that, you know, not only led to a lot of extra time, a lot of extra possessions for the defense to have to defend, but short fields because of all the turnovers and inefficiencies of that offense, they were still fourth in points allowed, fifth in yards allowed, uh, third in first downs allowed. You know, this is a team that can play defense. And now you have a situation where they could have an offense that's humming could have an offense that's putting up points, controlling the ball, protecting them. I mean, that's what that's what you need. You need if you're going to win defensively, you need an offense that protects the football. You need an offense that puts up some points uh, because when you put and and they're they're much better of a pass rush uh, pass rush as Brad alluded to and passing defense, and that's what you need because you can game script that. And if you get the lead and force the other team to throw the ball a lot, then your pass rushers can just tee off and just go to town. Um, I will say that the I don't think they're going to win, go worst to first. But I think a team that could surprise um, in, you know, they, they both were bad. But I really think that we could see the Bills or the Jets make a bit of a run this year. Um, you know, again, it, it's almost impossible to unseat the Patriots. But I think we could see one of those two make a strong wild card run. Uh, Bills were obviously the better team last year. Um, Jets are a team that, you know, they added a lot of pieces around uh, Darnold this year, most notably Le'Veon Bell, but, I mean, uh, Jameson Crowder and a few others. Um, you know, Sam Darnold, he played decent at times last year. And, uh, you know, I think from a real-life quarterback perspective, he won't necessarily be the greatest fantasy quarterback, but I think this could be a pretty effective offense and their defense has some pieces as well. Um, you know, I, I again, don't think they're winning the division, but I think they're going to surprise some, some people this year and are just worth noting in this kind of segment. 
Yeah, I would agree. I hope the AFC East is a lot more competitive to watch. That's for sure. So I would agree with all that. Um, well, we're all super excited for week one to start this week. And like, we don't we don't know what we're going to be talking about next week. But are there any storylines that that you you could predict or that you you think we may be talking about, whether it's an upset or surprise roles. Um, Steve, is there any week one storylines you you could see in a crystal ball? Uh, I I think the biggest storyline is going to be the development of the second year quarterbacks. Um, you know, we saw a number. Uh, we saw five, all five rookies start last year, and while Rosen is not going to be the starter. Um, for the Dolphins this year, the other four are all going to start, and you know we saw we saw some promise from some of them. I mean, obviously Mayfield was the one who was truly effective, but you know we saw Lamar Jackson do some positive things. We saw Allen and Darnold do positive things down the stretch. Now some of that, uh, you know, we'll have to see if it's just fluky or if it's repeatable. But I think that's a, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch the development. And obviously we have two of these quarterbacks who are on teams. Uh, Mayfield and Lamar Jackson on teams that people expect to make playoff runs this year. So we'll see if they can have that second year jump that we saw with guys like Wentz, guys like Goff, uh, you know, uh, guys, obviously Mahomes, Trubisky. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks make the jump in year two, and it'll be interesting to see which of these guys will and just how high they will jump up the, you know, sort of quarterback rankings. Okay, Brad, what are your thoughts for week one? Um, I don't know how big of a storyline this is, but I think it'll be very interesting to see. Um, a lot of these top teams have, you know, running back situations that are unknown to the casual fan slash more experienced fans. You know, the Chiefs with signing with Sean McCord, you know, how's that going to work out? They, th- they threw a lot of guaranteed money at him, so that I'm, ex- I'm expecting some decent workload, but, you know, they're also planning to play a... Is it Darwin Thompson? I always forget his name. Yeah, Darwin Thompson and Damian Williams. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do that. I think the Rams, um, how they treat Todd Gurley and how, you know, going forward, that'll be interesting. Um, Eagles. I saw saw a rumor that they were trying to get Melvin Gordon. Um, Clearly they haven't, but um, (laughs) as of now, they've always been kind of a running back by committee, but they really um, sort of invested in Howard and, and Miles Sanders, so I wonder if you know, one of them kind of emerge as the the lead back, and if they will change their their past ways to really put the best guy on the field for the majority of the time. Um, and then you have the Bears. Uh, you know, they they got Mike Davis. They have Tariq Cohen, and then they they spent some decent draft capital to get David Montgomery, who has looked good so far. Um, a lot of people are high on him, but you know. Week one, he might play as much as people would like or expect him to. So I think that'll be very interest, interesting to see. And then the last team, the Texans, they picked up Carlos Hyde, um, Duke Johnson. You know, everyone was flocking him to be you know, the next big thing. I think he's good enough, you know, but he tends to be a bit on the smaller side and more of a pass-catching back. But I think he's the, uh, the all-time leading rusher at Miami. Uh, you, which is no easy feat with uh, all the running backs that have come that, out of that school, but right. so he clearly has the ability to run, 
it will be interesting to see if they actually give him the ball or if they try and do more of a 50-50 split with Hyde and then give all the passing work to Duke. Yeah, no, these are great points, both with the the running back usage and and the growth of year two quarterbacks. And and these are going to be some exciting things to to watch week one. What I forgot to ask at the beginning of this segment was, how do you guys each feel about your teams heading into week one? We know how I feel about the Redskins. Steve, how do you feel about the Redskins heading into week one? Um, I think I know. I think I think uh, it's going to be real bad. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I think you just have a situation they're going on the road facing one of the, the best teams in the league in the Eagles, uh, one of the best defenses in the league in the Eagles. And you have Case Keenum, who, you know, two years ago he had some magic in, in Minnesota, but last year he struggled, and he struggled with a lot more talent around him uh, out in Denver than he will have with the Redskins, uh, especially week one when there's no Trent Williams. Jordan Reed's in concussion protocol. Um, you know, that there's a lot of – a lot of question marks about that. The Redskins' defense should be good, but they're facing one of the best offenses in the league that have are just stacked with weapons. Um, and I don't think that's going to bode well for them. So what's your prediction? What week do you think we'll see Dwayne Haskins? Uh, I'd say sometime mid-year, week six, seven, somewhere around there. Okay. All right. And Brad? After they go you- one five, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm thinking it'll just be more they realize they're doing so well. and But it's not because of Keenum. And Haskins can take him to the next level. Do you see the, the delusional? I mean, I can't, I can't control myself. Every year. So, every year. Every single year. Um, okay, Brad, how are you feeling about Cam? How's his health? I, I don't, I'm not getting the inside reports probably like you are. But how's, how's his health? And, and how are you feeling about the Panthers going into week one? I'm optimistic. Um, he <laughs> seems to have gotten over that shoulder issue, which rendered him completely incapable of throwing the ball down the field further than 10 yards. Um, I think that's a bigger problem than the uh, sprained foot. The sprained foot, you know, is always a cause for concern due to him relying a lot on his mobility. But he, I, you know, he seems okay to play, and so I'm, I'm excited. Unfortunately, we're playing you know, the runner-up of last year's Super Bowl game. And uh, I still think it'll be an interesting game. And if we – I think the one thing uh, to look for as a Panthers fan is the progression of the receivers. Um, on paper, it's the best receiving core that Cam's ever had. But these receivers, you know, never get better than – it's still mediocre weapons around Cam. And uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of people talking about them for fantasy this week. Yeah, I mean, the whole year for, like, long season-long fantasy, people were really high on DJ Moore and, and Curtis Samo as the, the mid-round picks for wide receiver. So right. I'm excited for that, and I'm also excited for the uh, the new pass rusher that they got in the first round, Brian Burns. And, oh, nice. Or Spider Burns, as he likes to call himself. <laughs> um, you know, if he can put some consistent pressure on the quarterback, that'll really help out. The, the weaker part of the defense, which is the secondary. Um, so if everything okay. comes together, you know. Playoffs. Do you see a playoff team? you see playoffs yeah. then if everything comes together? Yeah. that Coming together, staying healthy. Staying I think healthy. That's, that'll be the key. So 
Okay. Well, best of luck to Redskins and Panthers fans out there. We're, we're all feeling it over here. So, um, well, we touched on a little fantasy there. Let's move right into our fantasy football segment. Um, and this, this can kind of be kind of quick takes. Um, we're going to, you know, whether you're playing season long fantasy, daily fantasy, or both, we're hoping these, these, you know, perspectives and, and takes can give you insight. We're going to compare players off um, DraftKings salaries because that's what the three of us play. In Daily Fantasy, we all play DraftKings and text about it, like I said, every Sunday. Um, so I'm going to go through each position and kind of get your your feel on, on who, which players you're liking best based on DraftKings prices. So um, first I'm going to start with quarterback, and I'm actually going to do price not considered. Who's your favorite quarterback play this week, uh, weekend, Brad? And not counting the Thursday game, let me say that. Okay. Um... I like two guys a lot. Um, okay. One of them is uh, Matt Stafford. I think if you know if he can't do it against one of the worst secondaries, possibly the worst secondary in the league, then I think I'll never play him season <laughs> one daily fantasy ever again. Um, he has the best matchup that you could possibly ask for in a game that's expected to be close and you know with the new offense that Arizona has I mean they got the the pace that they want to do um 90 plays a game they won't get there but the (laughs) idea that they want to try and get there uh really bodes well with a lot of a lot of production for Matt Stafford okay who's your second guy um James Winston uh I really like the the new offense um with Bruce Arians and uh, last year, I think something that kind of goes overlooked was, or is that um, if you combine both uh, Jameis and um, Fitzpatrick's production into one player, they were the second best quarterback in fantasy last year. And I think that that does get overlooked due to the, you know, them switching pretty much every other week. But I, I do think the matchup's also pretty good with, San Francisco, I think they're coming to the East Coast, right? And I mean, Yes, I believe so. And I, I know teams tend to have a rough time when doing that, so. I always, I ne- never like to play West Coast, East Coast. That flight home is hard and <laughs> for a regular person. I, I mean, even I know the athletes are, are seem superhuman to us, but yeah, I, I never place West Coast, East Coast, one o'clock games, so. Um, all right, Steve, who's your favorite quarterback or quarterbacks this weekend? Uh, well, I, I think those are, are definitely um, two very good options for sure. Uh, a couple that I would point to um, that I really like outside of, um, you, know, uh, you know, it's tough to not like Patrick Mahomes, but he is facing a good defense. I'm actually going to go to the other side of that, and I will go with – um, Nick Foles, I think it's it could be very much a pace-up game, as we saw last year. Not only did Patrick Mahomes put up some of the best fantasy numbers, but so did a number of quarterbacks facing Patrick Mahomes. That Roethlisberger game week two, that Jared Goff game, uh, where you know, they were just trading touchdowns left and right. Um, definitely a couple more last year. And I think we have a situation this year where the Jags, I, you know, there's a lot of talk that they're going to open up this offense, and they're the team. They're at home. Uh, you know, it could be a, a back and forth type of a game, and I think Foles could surprise some people. Um, 
with uh, with his performance. And then the other one that I would point to uh, that I really like would be um, uh, Baker Mayfield. I, I think I was just going to ask that. I, I think you look at mm-hmm. a situation where uh, you know he is entering this year too. He's got an offense that. Once Kitchens took over last year, they were just clicking. And he's got the best weapon he's ever had in Odell Beckham uh, to go along with Jarvis Landry, to go along with Njoku, uh, to go along with Nick Chubb. Um, This offense should be really, really good. And I think Tennessee, uh, you know, they've had a good defense the last couple of years. I think they took some hits this year. I think a couple guys are banged up. Um, And I just see that Cleveland's going to want to – show that the hype is real and that they trade for Odell Beckham for a reason and that they just really put the pedal to the metal to start this game. I would agree. All right, let's move on to running back and say you're filling out your DraftKings lineup or you're, you're filling out your lineup and you have just space for one of these two running backs. Um, they're priced similarly, similarly on DraftKings. Um, pick one and just give me a quick Quick reason why. Um, so I'll, first, I'll say um, Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. Brad, what, who would you pick? Um, no bias here, but no I'm bias. <laughs> I think uh, there's a lot more scoring equity for Christian McCaffrey on the Panthers against the Rams, and it's projected to be a high-scoring game than there is for Saquon against um, Dallas. And I, I, I do think the touches could be about the same, but I just think. Christian McCaffrey has a better chance to get in the end zone. Sure. Steve? Uh, I would agree. Uh, the other reason that it pushes McCaffrey for me is I think McCaffrey will have more targets and catches than Barkley. So uh, I think that's a big, uh, big difference on on DK. Oh, absolutely. Okay, next we'll go down just a little bit. And um, Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson? Brad? Now, I, I'm going to pick uh, David Johnson. Um, I don't think that he's going to get most of his production on the ground because the, mm. the Detroit run defense is really good. But I think, you know, with a lot more passing work, that he'll still be better than Bell because I think it's not necessarily, I think DJ's the best play. I just think Bell's a worse play because the Buffalo Bills have a good defense and Adam Gase last year ran like the least amount of plays, um, mm. like pace of play. And I just think that game's going to be very slow. Um, it's not going to be high scoring. And I think it'll be, you know, it'll be competitive, but, you know, 13 to 10 isn't fun to watch or good for fantasy. <laughs> it's not good for fantasy. Steve, who do you got for David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell? Who are you taking? I'm actually going to go with Bell. I do definitely worry about Adam Gase. I mean, he would not have been my first choice to uh, take the reins of a young potential franchise quarterback in uh, in Sam Darnold and then go out and spend that money for a franchise back in Le'Veon Bell. But, um, you know, I'm going to go with the the Jets just because I think they could have a more well-balanced offense. I think I think Arizona could have a lot of struggles, um, you know, with a rookie quarterback, um, a lot of, lot of mistakes, a lot of potential. And I think Bell, I mean, he's one of the best – goal line backs that we've seen um you know with the Steelers like he gets so many touchdowns inside the five um and and obviously he's got the passing equity uh, 100 yard bonus equity um I, I think there's a lot 
a lot of value there. It could be a low-scoring game, and again, not a fan of Adam Gase, but Bell, last time he was on the field, was the best running back in the league. And uh, I know David Johnson was a couple years ago before the injury, but he's dealt with an injury and just a massively inefficient um, set of circumstances on offense. I know this is a new offense. I know they want to change things. But, you know, we've seen this with Chip Kelly. We've seen this with other college, college coaches making the jump. It's not always an easy transition. And uh, I do worry about that situation early on. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how Arizona, you know, plays this first week. Um, so, I mean, I, I think you guys both make great points. Now, this next one, these two guys are both supposed to be chalk based on a lot of things I'm reading and hearing. Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook, um, both are going to be highly owned. Which one do you like better, Brad? Um, it was hard for me to pick, but I, I, I like Chubb. Um honestly don't know why. I just, <laughs> Sometimes I it's just I, a gut feeling. I, yeah, I get for it. some reason, I just think he... I think he's going to have a lot more of the... What's the right word? The touches, per, like the touch percentage for running backs on the team. I don't think there's really anyone behind him to take any sort of work from him. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to, you know, Dalvin Cook. He has uh, Madison that they seem to really like. And uh, he's looked really good in preseason. Um, I, I mean, that's, I think they're, they're both good plays. And I, if you're going to pick one over the other, I think that that's an okay reason. Um, I really don't sure. see anything wrong with either one. Um, so it was really hard for me to pick, but if I had to pick one, I just like, I like Chubb. Yeah, well, I think that's why they're both going to be or projected to be highly owned. So, um, Steve, which one would you pick between Chubb and Cook? Yeah, uh, you know, I I think it really is a toss-up. Um, I think for tournaments, honestly, both are going to be too highly owned that I, I'm going to probably stay away from. But um, I think Cook's a little safer. So if, if uh, I'm going to play him in cash, uh, I'd play Cook over Chubb. But I think Chubb has higher tournament upside. So um, that's a bit of a hedge there, but that's that's really how I see them. Um, so I'd go Cook for if I am playing cash, Chubb for tournaments, but probably both too highly owned to own too much in tournaments for me. Sure. Okay. Let's move on to wide receivers. Um, at the top, we've got Odell Beckham. You know, we talked about Baker Mayfield earlier. And then Mike Evans. Um, they're priced very similar. Similarly, which one do you like better, Brad? Um, it's not that I don't like Mike Evans. I, I just like, I, I just think OBJ. You know, um, Steve said this earlier. I think Cleveland's really going to try and hammer home that they're here, they're here to yeah. stay, and uh, it's going to be a lot of Baker to uh, Beckham throughout the game. And I think he's going to get you know easily ten plus targets. Um, so I, I just think that they're going to be almost force-feeding him. Well, I think Mike Evans, he'll still do just fine. I just think um, their their offense will be a lot more balanced when it comes to targets. Okay, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I actually really love both. I mean, they're probably my two favorite receivers of the week. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I think Evans is going to have um, – 
a, a shot of a huge game. But I just think with Beckham, I think it's a safer, um, there's safer floor for him, and the upside is as big, if not more massive. I mean, Baker Mayfield is by far the best quarterback uh, Beckham has ever played with, and yeah, you know, there this offense could be really special uh, with a receiver like Beckham. So I think uh, sky is really the limit, and I think they hit this this uh, situation hard early and often um, Baker to, to Beckham. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is a, not only just a 10 target game, but like a 10 catch 152 touchdown type game for Beckham. Ooh, now you're really going to make me want to jam them in my lineups. Uh Oh, okay. Now the next, now next one, we've got two guys from the same team priced very close together. So we've got Thielen and Diggs and then Brandon cook and woods. Of each of the Vikings players and the Rams players, Brad, which one is your favorite? Um, I like Thielen. Um, I think he's more of, I guess, I, th- I think this kind of comes down to, I think both of these answers kind of come down to which uh, mode you're playing. Um, I do feel like, you know, Diggs can score multiple touchdowns on any sure. given week. But I do think Thielen, Thielen is the, the target guy. Um, he'll get the, the 10 catches for 100 yards, um, maybe one one touchdown. Um, and I think I think that'll happen. That's more likely to happen than Diggs getting, you know, two catches, not two catches, um, you know, six catches, 85 yards, and two or three. Um, so I, I like the safer play with Thielen, and sure. you know, I I say that, but then I I come back and say I think Cooks. For some reason, I'm liking Cooks. I think. Uh, you know, the Panthers' safety's being a little iffy. Um, you know, as much as I love Trey Boston from, from UNC, I think <laughs> he has the tendency to, you know, try and, I guess, bait and, you know, come in at the last second. And Brandon Cooks is running those deep routes. I don't think Trey Boston's fast enough to keep up with him. And I, I kind of like that play. So you um, like the upside play there. Yeah. I just think there's going to be a lot more more space down the field for cooks. Okay. Steve, what, which Vikings receiver and which Rams receiver do you like better? Uh, I'm, I'm in agreement. I think the other thing with Thielen is, um, you know, I think Atlanta has struggled versus covering the slot. Uh, I know they've made some upgrades in the secondary, but I don't know if it'll be enough. And Thielen runs most of his routes from the slot. Um, and, you know, I, I think that is Kirk Cousins' favorite target. And I, I see them having a big game to start the year, uh, especially, you know, in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, with the Rams, I kind of agree the same thing. I think, I think Cooks is the he, he's definitely the more upside play. I think if you're you're playing cash, I'd go Woods, but Cooks is the tournament guy because he could break a couple big ones. Um, you know, he's got that ability. We've seen it before uh, on every team he's been at, and. I do agree that, you know, the, the Panthers, they're secondary. They're not the fastest fastest of guys, especially those safeties. And I would not be surprised if Cooks gets behind him at least one time. So if that connects, you're, you're gold. Okay. The next one I'm hearing a lot about is Chris Godwin and, and Tyler Lockett. I mean, there's really nobody behind Tyler Lockett. Which one do you, do you like better, Brad? Um, so this is part of why I didn't pick Mike Evans earlier. I think 
I think Mike Evans will have a great game. I also do think that Chris Godwin will have a great game. And if I can get one for almost $2,000 cheaper, I'm going to go with him. Um, going to go bargain shopping. Yeah, I, I get it. Arian seems to love Godwin. Um, you know, he wants him to never leave the field, even on defense. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, I think both of the receivers, Godwin and Evans, will have a great game. And um, there's just going to be a lot of targets for both of them. And I think they both have an equal amount of chance to score. And the reason why I don't like Lockett, I don't think Seattle really has to throw the ball a lot to win that game. And yeah. we saw last year they they didn't throw the ball a lot. Uh, <laughs> as, as good as Russell Wilson was throwing the ball, I don't think he'll be that efficient again. Um, I mean, if you're going to be efficient against one team, it will be Cincinnati. But I, I just don't, I just don't think they have to force the ball down the field to win that game. So you like the Chris Carson and running side much better? Yes, for sure. Okay. Um, Steve, how about you? Godwin Lockett, who do you take? Yeah, I think I think Lockett is the um, you know clearly the number one in Seattle. But just because he's the number one doesn't mean that he's going to necessarily get more targets than than Godwin. Um, uh, you know, Tampa is projected to throw way more, not just this week, but throughout the year. And they lost Adam Humphreys. They lost Deshaun Jackson. Um, that's a lot of extra targets for these other guys to pick up. Um, I, I just think you have a situation here where Godwin is definitely the safer play. Lockett probably has the higher upside. If you're looking for who's got the best chance for like 30 or 35, it's probably Lockett because if he breaks two big ones, you know, that that's how you get there. Um, but I think Godwin's a safer play from uh, getting more targets, more catches, and has a pretty good shot at getting over 100 yards. Okay. These next three, um, all I'm, I'm hearing them talked about uh, all a good bit. Um, D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Moore from your Panthers, Brad, and, and then Mike Williams. They're all priced around the same. Which one do you like the best, Brad? Um, I, I think I'm going to go with D.D. Um, it seemed in the very short stint of preseason when Foles was on the field that D.D. was his number one guy. Um, I also... Do you think that um, if this Jacksonville KC game turns into a blowout, not a blowout, a um, shootout? Shootout, yes, thank you. And uh, <laughs> you know, Bulls is slinging the rock for 300 yards just to keep up with Mahomes. I mean, DD is you know one of the more talented guys on the team. He will probably get most targets, and uh, I just don't think DJ Moore. Is I just don't see get him getting as many targets as DD. Um, and then as, as far as Mike Williams goes, I like him. Clearly talented. I just when it comes to the red zone, they didn't have Hunter Henry last year, and I'm I'm curious to see if they still go if Phillips still goes to Mike Williams because he's pretty much a tight end, or if he goes to the actual tight end, which he. He loves doing his whole career um, in the red zone. So I just I just don't know how well Mike Williams will do in the the, the red zone. And he had 10 touchdowns last year, and part of the right. big reason why he was valuable. So I think I'll, I think I'll stay away from that one. I just think Didi will get 
a lot of targets this week. Sure. Steve, do you agree, or who's your favorite of those three guys? Um, I, I like DD a lot, and I agree fully with uh, the points between him and DJ Moore. I will actually go Mike Williams. I think, uh, yes, Hunter Henry is back, but also Melvin Gordon's out, and that's a lot of touchdown equity right there um, that's going to be out there. And also, you know, they, they lost Tyrell Williams, so that's receiver. You know, a lot of targets um, that are going to be up and up for grabs. Um, and sure, Hen- Hunter Henry is going to get his fair share. But I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see Mike Williams ex- ascend to the number one weapon with the Chargers. Um, uh, and not, no slight on Keenan Allen, but I, I just see he had a great year last year. And I don't see there's, why there's any reason why he can't build on that this year. I also think the Colts, while their defense was impressive last year, we're talking about what is likely to be a completely different game script for them um, in you know not having Andrew Luck, not being able to be ahead, and like I said, like focus on attacking the passer. Um, and now there is a chance that the Chargers get so far ahead that they stop throwing the ball. But uh, I just see that the Colts' defense – they don't have a lot of elite talents. They they played well last year because they had a lot of solid and quality talents, and I think that could get them in trouble this year uh, without not having that offense to rely on. And, and who knows, that, that team could just be reeling from the whole Andrew Luck news. Uh, who knows if they even show up for this game as they travel out west for the Chargers. Okay. And then let's go bargain shopping. Which which receiver under 4K do you guys like? Brad, any, any down there under 4,000? Um, I think the only one that has, maybe probably not the only one, but the only one I, I saw um, was Albert Wilson for Miami. Now, I don't expect Miami to have the best of games, but <laughs> I think there will be down. I think, you know, Fitzpatrick's going to throw the ball a lot. And, you know, Albert Wilson has had some good games. Um, I think he's pretty fast, too, which always helps. <laughs> But I, I think that, you know, if Fitzpatrick has to throw the ball 40 times, you know, Wilson has a good chance to take a, a few, some big plays, and might even score one. Sure. Um, I didn't see anyone else that really stood out to me um, as much as Albert Wilson did. Okay. Steve, any under 4K guys that you, you'll put in some lines? Yeah, when I when I first saw this question, I thought it was four K and under, and I was going to point to. Um, oh, sorry, we'll go. F- I'm sorry, four K and under. Uh, and no, I, I might just <laughs> read it wrong. <laughs> uh, so I would look to um, two guys there. Uh, neither great, but Adam Humphreys <laughs> or Marquise Goodwin, mm-hmm. uh, both could see enough to to at least hit value for what their price is, but. Uh, you know, I think Brad's right. It, it's not looking good. These, you know, nominal starters who are 4K or under are not in good situations at all. Uh, or they're they're like a Nelson Aguilar who's sharing time with like eight different receivers now. Um, you know, he was good last year, but now who who knows where he is on the pecking order of this Eagles depth chart? Um, so it, it's not. I don't think there's a lot to save when you get 4K or under uh, from a receiver standpoint. I do think there are, you know, some guys in that 4 to 5K range that are playable, but I'm going to really try and avoid this area. Okay. Yeah, just play uh, Curtis Samuel for 4,200. 
Okay, there you go. <laughs> I like it. All right, now let's talk tight end. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of good high priced tight ends. You know, Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle, um, and then we've got Hunter Henry down low as mo- among some others. So, Brad, who's your favorite high price and who's your favorite low price tight end? Um, favorite high price, I think I, I think I like Kittle. Um, I just think he's going to be the best pass catcher, and it's going to. I kind of figured San Francisco to be down and in a high scoring game. Um, Tampa Bay's defense still isn't good, so I, I think that he has a good chance to returning that high tight end price. Um, I also like. I mean, this is a big difference from Kittle, but OJ Howard is still kind of towards the upper end there, and. Um, sure. You know, Jameis likes throwing to him. So, uh, same game. A lot of points should be scored in that game. And I think either one would be good. And as far as low Titans go, I uh, I think Delaney Walker might be able to fall forward into the end zone. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, coming back, he... I just, I think that... that Tennessee will be throwing the ball. Um, I don't think Derrick Henry's going to have much work. Um, and, you know, Delaney Walker, I, th- I still think, is pretty good. It'll be interesting to see how he does come back from the injury, but he was always uh, Mariota's seemingly go-to target, and uh, he still has it. I still think there's some value there. All right, Steve, what's what's your favorite high price and low price tight end? Uh for a high price, I'm going to go Zach Ertz. Um, the last two years, the Redskins have given up like the most tight end receiving yards and touchdowns in the league. Um, and now they have a couple new inside linebackers. Uh, they do they did pick up Landon, Landon Collins, but the free safety situation is still very questionable. Uh, so I think Ertz is, you know, I think his volume is a bit more secure and also doesn't hurt that he's got a bit of a say a thousand savings from Kelsey and 500 from Kittle though. I do love Kittle a lot um, for a low price tight end. I'm going to go really deep uh, on the board and I'm going to say, will Disley um, for Seattle, Ed Dixon's wow. out. It's going to be him or Nick Vanette and Disley, uh, you know, last week, week last year, week one, had uh, three catches, 105 yards and a touchdown, followed up by three catches, 42 yards and a touchdown I remember in, the first, in the first two weeks. And then he gets injured uh, just a week or two later. So, uh, you know, he's a young guy. They drafted him mid rounds. You know, I think they like him. I think he's going to get a shot. And uh, Cincinnati, I think that's a team you can you can target um, against. And I don't think there'll be a ton of volume, but. If you're this low priced, he's 2,900. If he ends up with like three or four catches, 40, 50 yards, and a touchdown, you are sitting real pretty on your tight end production for the week. Okay. Let's move on to talking about the high-owned players. There's Because we've had so long to look at week one pricing, there's a lot of talk surrounding certain, certain players where – there's going to be really high ownership there, and and sometimes it's okay to so so to speak eat the chalk and and play them. Which player that is going to be projected high owned do you think is is going to be the best player to to go ahead and eat the chalk because they are going to be worth it? What, what do you think, Brad? Um, 
I'm not 100% if this guy is Chuff, but I kind of expect him to be. Um, Mark Ingram, you know, bad, bad defense he's playing. Uh, Baltimore tends to like to run the ball. Um, so I, I figure there, there to be a lot of work and he's on the cheaper side for running backs. And so you can fit him to a lot of lineups. And I think, I think that's just kind of a smart play. Definitely for yeah. tap. Um, I don't think there's a lot of upside there. Um, but if you're playing in cash, uh, ownership does kind of go out of the window. So you're, it's better to eat the chalk. Right. Um, and so, you know, cheap running back. I'll get 15 to 20 touches against a bad defense. I, I think, and I, I still think he's a good running back. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of lot of value there. And you don't need him to go for 100 yards and a touchdown to make value. Yeah. All right, Steve, which which player would you be most comfortable eating the chalk with? Um, I, you know, I think two will... One, you know, we talked about Hunter Henry some. I think at tight end, uh, j- just given his price, he's priced, you know, fairly low, and yet he has the upside to score as much as Kittle or it's the guys that we talked about. So um, he's expected to be the highest on tight end, and that would be one where I'd, I'd feel pretty good about eating the chalk. Um, and then the other one is... Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, I, I just love his situation. I feel if you're going to pay up for a back, he's the guy you do it with. Um, I think he's got a great floor, and his ceiling is as high as it goes. So, uh, you know, if there's going to be a guy that I'm going to eat the chalk with in tournaments, it's going to be McCaffrey. Okay. And then on the other side of that, which contrarian play that could, you know, be one of those under 5% owned in the Millie Maker or those giant tournaments – do you do you predict could be the best contrarian play, kind of off the board play, but still but still smart? What do you think, Brad? Um, I am going to stick with the running back position, and I am leaning towards Leonard Fournette. Um, a lot of people aren't expecting Jacksonville to be running the ball a lot, um, mainly because people think they won't be winning, which they probably won't. But um, I do think that the game will be closer, and I think when Fournette's healthy that he is very good and you know with a more unpredictable offense instead of you know running the ball for a second down and then throwing third um that he'll have more space to run and really open up the game and i think there's some value there he's not too expensive um i just don't think a lot of people will have him in that game which could be a very high scoring game absolutely Steve, which which contrarian play do you like? A guy that, you know, from what I've seen of projections that are out there that is not expected to be highly owned, but I think is in a a great situation is Marvin Jones. Uh, You know, Brad talked about at the top. There's no better passing situation out there on the slate than than Matt Stafford right now. They, uh, you know, they did add a tight end in the draft, but this is a team that is not deep in terms of their pass catchers. Uh, obviously, Galladay is projected to be the number one guy there, but we've seen Jones put up a lot of big numbers, have some big games in the past. So he's a guy who, according to some of the, the projections out there, could be two, two, one, two percent owned, um, and he definitely has the ability to, to 
to put up a big 30-point game. I like that one. Yeah, I definitely like that one. Um, I said this to you guys before, but I'm going to say it again. I'm just going to go ahead and Steve's, Steve's face palming. Go ahead and do Darius Geis Redskins defense. It's going to be solo owned. It's going to be in the Millie Maker. Brad's breathing deeply. Steve's face palming. But if this if this happens, I'm going to isolate this part and just, you know, I think it's going to go viral because I just have such a strong feeling the Redskins... <laughs> are going to rely on the run game and defense. That's the only way they stand even a little right. chance. There's are, literally are the no data to support that, that take. <laughs> are they the only team that has a they're a double-digit underdog? Yeah. I know, like, the data doesn't support this. But like, literally nothing supports it. Right, no, but, but what, well, well, it's that people don't know how good Darius Geis is and that people don't know how good the Redskins' defense is. So they're they're thinking about last year, and I'm thinking about this year. What I know. So I'm just what? I'm just saying. And they, they the Redskins came out and said that the running game is going to run through Darius Geis. And you know it's I, still I, I approach. It is it is, but I think he's going to come out hot. And it's I know it's a good defense. That's why it's going to be low owned. And you know I just wanted to go on record. I just want to go on record. And I wanted to see you guys face palm and, you know, make fun of me. So so that's on record, too. My dog is going to consistently add musical background when he shakes his collar, so I apologize for that. But, guys, this has been fun. Um, we are super excited to launch this show and, and hopefully watch it grow. So thank you so much for listening. And if you like it, please review it and please share it with your friends. Um, before we go, Brad, any closing thoughts for week one? No, just excited to watch more football this weekend. I know. Thank God it's back. Steve, any closing thoughts for people? Yeah, don't play Terry's case in the woods. <laughs> okay, That's I'll it. be the only one. I'll collect the money. I'll be using Brad's gift. I'll send you Brad's gift. Show me the money. So, um, yep. <laughs> all right, guys. Everybody, enjoy week one. We are so, so happy football's back. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time. Oh